Hi everyone, I'm Ashley Pyle and I am your host for season three of Humans of James River and you are currently listening to episode one. Um, so in this episode, I will be talking with an anonymous student from, uh, from James River High School in senior year and she will be discussing her relationship with her father and the mental and behavioral disorders that stemmed from the neglect that she suffered. I hope you all enjoy. I was really young when my parents got divorced, so I didn't realize, like, kind of grew up in a hospital that divorce was so normal that I didn't even think there was a reason for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of just knew my parents were divorced, and it wasn't until I started getting older that I realized, like, oh, my dad has some issues, and when I was younger, I never really saw them, I always saw my dad. When I was older, like, I was starting to be able to pinpoint those issues, um, so he was a bipolar, he had alcohol, he's an alcoholic, um, um, a bunch of mental and substance abuse issues. And he would also have like a lot of manic depression episodes. So as I started to get older, I started to notice these things. And he also saw me as getting older. And I think he started to detach himself from my life in a way. So it became me taking care of him instead of him taking care of me a lot. And with that came, like, this kind of leads into my relationship with food, how it stems from, like, I didn't have him taking care of me um, on the weekends when I would go stay with him. So I would, you know, have to worry about him. He would kind of always just be, like, he would leave or he would be too drunk to take care of me. And... I was young still. I was like seven or eight. So I didn't really know how to take care of myself. And the only thing I learned really how to do or how to cope was with like food. And so it would just like, that was what I would do. I would eat Lunchables or Kraft Mac and Cheese or whatever I knew how to cook at such a young age. And I lacked that attention from him. So I kind of resorted to like eating my like, loneliness when I was with him. So do you think that it was a comfort, I guess, knowing that it was something you could do and something you could do for yourself if he couldn't provide that for you? It was something I knew I could always turn to. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew that I would always have, like, this comfort thing, so I was scared and I was lonely. So I was eating mac and cheese, and, like, I knew I could always have mac and cheese. Like, that was a stable, like, thing in my life. It was, like was my distraction, kind of. I had control over, you know, having this in my house while my dad was out doing I don't know what. He went to jail a couple years ago, and he doesn't have custody of me, I guess, anymore because of neglect, and he was technically considered child abuse because he neglected to take care of me and give me a safe home or safe living conditions. What I was living in was very um, unhealthy. It was very toxic. There's a lot of strangers that would come in and out of the house because my dad was going to sell drugs. And it was a lot of him not getting up in the mornings because he was having 
really bad manic depression episodes and I would have to take care of myself. It was a lot of anger. There was a lot of, you know, yelling at me, a lot of screaming, a lot of mental and emotional abuse because he would get drunk and when he got drunk, he was very angry. And I didn't talk to people about that. So I coped in different ways. Mm-hmm. And like, my the food was my coping. Okay. That's kind of how it started. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so how young were you when your parents got divorced? I was three when I Three? Okay, so most likely you don't really remember what the dynamic was beforehand. Throughout, like my mom doesn't really talk about it. She then barely talks about my dad unless it's relating to me and like custody stuff or lawyers and guardian items and things that are legally she has to talk to me about. Other than that, she never really talked to me. I know there's a lot of fighting. And um, that's about the extent I know is they didn't get along. There was a lot of arguing, a lot of yelling, and it was really unhealthy. And I know she went through a really dark time when she was with them, and that's why she finally got a divorce. But I also didn't know until recently, divorces take a long time. So she might have left that house, but she was legally binding to that marriage until like the divorce went through and that took three years after she left the house um so she left my dad and three years later they finally got an official divorce but like i think during that time like the fact that she's still married to him kind of messed with her and she went through a really dark you know time getting out of that life and like i had to live with my grandma and her and they were getting their divorce it's expensive it's costly and like she was getting child support from her dad and my dad supported her sort of, but he also didn't have a stable job. So at the end of the day, she, she was a single mom for majority of, you know, my life for like five or six years. And I had my dad, but he was never really supportive in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that like throughout took a toll on her. Mm-hmm. And not having that like that clean break made things feel a lot messier, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm assuming you were closer with your mom than with your dad. Yes. Did that have any impact your relationship with your mom and did you feel like you were able to be honest with your mom about what you were experiencing while you were with your dad yeah uh, my mom so my mom had custody of me during the weekdays mm-hmm. and i was also very structured at school during the weekdays my yeah. mom would pack like these great lunches like healthy lunches and like it was really stable like my mom i consider her my best friend like she like has been there through it all when I was younger, I just was so naive about my relationship with my dad and the household, you know, that I was growing up in with him. The, um, like, it was mentally draining. However, I was so young that I just, like, I didn't care, I guess. Not that I didn't care, but he would say, like, things like, oh, don't tell your mom, or, you know, this is fine, this is normal. And I would just believe him because it was my dad, and I trusted him, and I loved him. And so, you know, I wanted to protect my dad. And then even when I got older, even when I was 10, 11, like I knew what was happening at my dad's house was not healthy for, you know, a young girl to be growing up in. But it was still my dad and I didn't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. So I didn't tell my mom anything. And she didn't really find out about how bad that environment was until one day my dad got pulled over and I was in the car and he had a suspended license and he had alcohol in the car, like he was drinking and driving and I was in it. And so they contacted my mom mm-hmm. and that's when my mom started to like talk to me, like sit me down and say like, you need to tell me what is happening. And that's when I started like opening up 
because I, I started realizing, hey, there are people that care and that this environment is not healthy and people see that. So it's not just me making excuses for my dad, like other people realize how bad that environment is for a young kid. Sorry, um, so just really quick for some clarification. How old were you when the incident happened with your father um, and having alcohol in the vehicle while he was driving you? So I was probably around 13. Okay. I, um, I definitely was 13 because I quit soccer the next year. I remember I was on my way to soccer practice. Mm-hmm. We got pulled and it was very traumatic for me because I was, like, I was 13 years old. My dad was getting pulled over and there's alcohol in the car. And the first thing he says to me is, hide this. And so I'm handed a bottle of beer. So I shoved it under my seat and just like, and, like it wasn't there. And it, that like sticks with you. And like, even though it's such a small thing, it's like, I didn't realize how much my life was at risk mm-hmm. when I was with my father. Like I knew things he did was unhealthy, but the fact that he was drinking and driving while I was in the car, like, he was driving on a suspended license. I had no idea. So, like, I didn't realize like he was hurting me in ways I didn't even realize. Like, he was willing to put my life at risk. That's not okay to put alcohol, put, put drugs, to put any substance above your own child. And he did, and I just never realized until mm-hmm. I kind of got out of that house and realized when I see my friends and their relationships with their dad, it's totally different. And I'm like, why? Did I think that was okay for so long? So if you're comfortable, I would like to talk a little bit more about your eating disorders and how they kind of started as a result of all of this abuse that you've been talking about and about like how your father's long-lasting effect on you even when your life stopped being intertwined with his. So I've been diagnosed with high-functioning anxiety and then I also have been diagnosed with two eating disorders. So I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder in eighth grade, and then um, bulimia in sophomore year. And because I recognize that like everyone's everyone's journey is different when it comes to an eating disorder, especially, um, and I was just wondering what your experience was in the transition between the binging disorder and bulimia, um, and kind of how and why you think one eating disorder became another. Well, when it came to binging disorder, it's not like the best for like looking a certain way, you know? It was this like hunger, but it, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't physically hungry. It was like, I was emotionally hungry for something so secure. And so I would eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted in like mass amounts, even to the point where I would feel sick. So the binging disorder was just like, I need something to fill this like boredom. I need something to fill this loneliness. And then I realized as I got into high school, like hey, I'm eating all this food and I don't look the way I want to. So then I was like, how do I still eat whatever I want and not worry about the weight? So I would purge after it. So I would binge and then I would purge. And that was like a fix. Like I could eat all this food. It didn't matter in 30 minutes. Who was the first person that you kind of started opening up about that with? You know, when it comes to the eating disorders, I kind of mentioned to my mom a few times. But my mother has another like, she has a very unhealthy relationship with food when it comes to herself. So when I would talk about it, it kind of just, I think, went over her head a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't see anything wrong with, you know, me saying, like, hey, I'm not having a healthy relationship with food. She didn't really, I guess, address it in the way that I think I needed. It wasn't mm-hmm. until, like, 
I started talking to my doctor about it and my therapist that they were like, this is wrong. My mother kind of just turned blind eye to it. I don't blame her for it. I think she just made excuses in her head. Like everyone has a negative relationship with food in their teens. So I think she played it off as something less serious. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. Like I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel good in general, like physically, mentally good. So I kind of knew, you know, this is not healthy. My friends do not do this. And then I was also gaining weight. So my pediatrician, you know, I kind of had this idea that I've been doing this where I had researched it. I was like, what is wrong with me? And when I realized it was an eating disorder, I was like, oh, so it's justified. Mm-hmm. I talked to my pediatrician in like a way that I was coming from a health perspective. Like, mm-hmm. She kind of was the first person that I reached out to was my pediatrician, just like, had a conversation about her with it. But she didn't really do anything about it. Like, she didn't want a new pediatrician to do, like, you need to watch your carbs and watch your fat intake and watch this and make sure you're not doing this. From a health way, but she never addressed the mental mm-hmm. side of it. Like, this isn't something I physically want. And then I didn't really talk about it ever since. And then when I started developing bulimia, I didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. at all because I I enjoyed what I was doing, which sounds so like messed up when I say it out loud. Like, but it's a certain yeah, feeling of like of getting away with it almost, and, yeah. like feeling good. About I felt yourself. so proud of myself. If I didn't have to tell anyone, because if I told people, then it, it would, would all stop. go away. It would stop. So I kept that in for so long. Like it was, it wasn't like I would do it like public places, like it didn't matter. Like I became addicted to purging after I binged. One day my mom came home while I was purging and she like got so angry. And then she was just like, it wasn't even, yeah. Like, overwhelmed and concerned. Yeah, like, just like, like what the heck is going on? So that's when she got me into therapy mm-hmm. and I'm talking to like a counselor and things like that. Um, and so I, it's not my moments where like I relapse, but for the most part, I'm in recovery from bulimia. Mm-hmm. And even though I sometimes, like sometimes I miss that satisfaction that I got, but at the same time, I know it wasn't healthy. And like, I was hurting like my body. Mm-hmm. Like when I was doing that, like cavities, I got cavities all the time. And it's because what I was doing was hurting. The things you don't think about, it was also mentally draining mm-hmm. and tiring to do that. So. I am glad that, like, my mom caught me. I guess she would say she caught me. Like, I'm glad she told someone. No, I'm glad I got therapy. And even though you know, I didn't want to give that up, I'm glad I did now. An eating disorder that's, like, just talking yeah. in your head and just telling you, like, if you do this, you're going to be happy. If you do this, mm-hmm. you're going to feel accomplished. You're going to feel good about yourself. When in reality, it's like you can't fill that happiness with certain behaviors or yeah. things like that. This is kind of a little bit off topic, but do you have any siblings? No, I'm an only child. So, do you think that things would have turned out differently if you'd had a brother or a sister? So, I love that you asked that question. I think about that all the time. Like, that's something that, like, especially, like, when I was going through the thick of it with my dad and, like, custody battles and things like that, like, I was always, like, I wish I had a sibling to go through this with me. Mm-hmm. Like, that I wasn't just kind of alone in this. But at the same time, what I want a younger sibling to have to like, then like, I would have to take care of myself. And if I had a younger sibling and I was living with my dad, I would also have to take care of them. And I'm wondering like, would I 
do like would I be willing to do that if I could barely take care of myself and like like mentally handle taking care of myself and then having to take care of a younger sibling and then at the same time I'm like what if I had an older sibling and like I wasn't like that scared lonely little girl at my dad's house like I would have someone to like help me through it and you know I, I always like wonder like would it be better and then I wonder like would my sibling have said to my mom earlier than I did and she then my sibling had got me out of that environment because I wasn't getting myself out of it so sometimes I wish I did and sometimes I wish I didn't one because I don't want any anyone really to like have to grow up with a like a parental figure that you know is bipolar and is an alcoholic and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being bipolar I just think there's a way to handle having bipolar with medicine and things like that and there's ways not to with alcohol and drugs and so I don't wish that on any other kid and at the same time I wish I had someone going through it with me. I also think that there's also a sort of comfort, like even in having a younger sibling, because you have someone that you can talk to and like have fun with. So it would kind of be an escape almost like being with them versus being with only with your father or with yourself. Mm -hmm. The way you were talking about it, it seemed to me like you had some regrets over not saying things earlier. If you don't have an answer for something, how you kind of automatically try to put the blame on someone and yeah. sometimes that person isn't who should actually be receiving the blame. Yeah. How was that for you? And like, how did you manage that feeling of what if I'd done something different? For me, I, I always like, I tell myself like, why didn't I just tell my mom? Like, I was not happy going to my dad's house. Like I saw that it's not just like this perfect white picket fence family. Like, I saw like nobody's perfect. Not every household, not every parent, not every life is perfect. And I kind of saw that. And so it changed my whole perspective on life. And if I had told my mom sooner, I don't know if I would have experienced it or grown up in it and like realized how significantly my story is and like how it's unique to myself. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then I also do regret sometimes telling my mom all the details because I I still love my dad. Like, that's never going to be he is my father. And even though, you know, he's been in and out of jail countless times ever since I got out of his, like, custody, he's still gone. He just hasn't changed. I still love him. And I still wonder, like, if I just hadn't said anything, if I had just, would he be like he is or could I have changed him? If I had talk with him and fix it would it be different but yeah. it's not your responsibility especially at such a young age to try yeah. to fix somebody who maybe doesn't want to be fixed and that's just just an added stress yeah. it's like i'm sure that that was a lot of pressure you kind of touched on how like your dad made you who you are today like yeah. he doesn't define who you are as a person but it's the experiences he puts you through both the good and the bad that kind of gave you the perseverance that you have now um, so I just wanted to ask like kind of a general question, like what is your opinion on forgiveness? Because some people believe that forgiveness creates a feeling of peace mm -hmm. for the victim, but others think that forgiveness can take the justice away because it's like giving a person a sense of reprieve that they don't necessarily deserve because of what they put you through. Mm -hmm. um, but like, have you been able to forgive your father and how has that looked for you if you have? So I'm not sure even saying no, I haven't forgiven my father. I think maybe personally, myself, I've detached my life from him mm -hmm. in all regards. Like, 
I don't talk to him. I don't communicate with him. So I haven't really like physically forgave him. I've let it go. Mm-hmm. I separated myself, but I like, especially like when he was in jail, he would send me these letters and he would say, I'm so sorry. I love you. I promise I'm going to do better than all these, you know, empty promises. And I was, I believed him. And then he got out and he kept drinking and he had to go to rehab again. So he was in rehab and then he said he was going to get clean and then he didn't get clean. And it was just a bunch of like broken promises and telling me he loved me, but still making the same mistakes. And I was so open to forgiving him and I still am. I will not forgive someone until they show me that they've changed mm-hmm. to, to serve to be forgiven. So the fact that my dad can't stay so sober, the fact that he's still drinking and he's still, you know, not taking his medicine. He is not trying to get better. He is not trying to get help for his um, mental disorder. Like he is not doing anything to better himself. He recently quit his job. And the only reason I knew that is because my mom's child support changed. So the fact, and then he just went, he just got a ticket in August for drunk in public. So things like that and hearing things like that about my dad, you are not, he is not working to earn my forgiveness. He's not working for change. He's not trying to get better. And until he does, like I'm not going to be able to forgive someone who has kind of broken promises to me over and over again. Like you need to justify why you deserve to be forgiven. And he hasn't, and he has not made any action to deserve that. And I'm all for forgiving people. I just think they need to be like, they need to show they want to be forgiven mm-hmm. and that they're going to work to get better from whatever mistake they've made in the past. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Um, especially considering like, it's like the old saying, like actions speak louder than words, but like if those words keep falling flat, then like yeah, they yeah. don't have any meaning. And knowing that he still continues the things that he was when you were little, it's kind of like, I feel like that a lot of people, they express remorse, but they don't act on the remorse. He could have tried harder to make things easier for your mother who like you said is now a single mother um, and you yeah to add on that like you would think like i kind of like if i was a parent and i had a kid like that child would be my world and if i lost custody of my child which i would never do in my whole entire life lose custody of it if i have kids like lose custody of them but if i do i would do everything in my power to gain that back i would you know, I would work to get better, to get clean, to stop drinking, like whatever it took to get, like to provide a safe home for my child that they can come live with me again, I would do. And so you would think like my dad would have tried harder, you know, to like when he lost custody to gain it back to, you know, change. Cause I would think that he would want to have me living with him. He would have a, want to have a relationship with me, but just the fact that he didn't cause he wasn't, I don't know if he wasn't strong enough, if he didn't care enough, if he didn't want to. I would think he would, but if he didn't, I don't know what his reasoning is. Like, the fact that he didn't just proves, like, he's not willing to try hard enough to, like, give up drinking, to stay sober. Like, he's not strong enough to do that, even for his own kid, so. When you came, or when you volunteered to be on, like, on Humans of James River, like, who were you hoping to reach with your story? and? Why did you want to volunteer to come on here? I recently, like, I used to never talk about my dad. I would, used to be so ashamed. I would never talk about my eating disorder. 
because I like it's, it's something that's very personal and it mm-hmm. is for everyone. And it's not that it's not personal. It's the fact that like I learned like I don't need to be ashamed of you know the mental struggles I'm going through or the trauma I've experienced as a kid. Like I want people to be vulnerable. Like I think the only way you get to know someone, the only way you get through things is when you talk about them. Like if you're bundling it all in and you can't talk about, you know, what's going on in your life, like it's gonna explode one day. And I just want everyone to know, like, you can share your story. Like people are not gonna judge you. And it feels so good to open up about whatever you're going through. And like, just don't be afraid to like talk to people about it. Cause there are gonna be people that are like you, that have some similar problems and similar life experiences. Yeah. And that they're going to be like, this person is, you know, talking about them like I can too. Like that's. just like to express my immense gratitude for my participant this week. I'm so honored that you were willing to come on to Humans of James River and discuss something that was so personal but also so important for people to hear. Um, and as for everyone listening uh, in the audience, um, I hope that you guys are going to come back in the coming weeks for my second episode. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>